What's good sports me versus TBG here. So there's new direction in Chicago after firing Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. The Bears have hired head coach Matt Eberflus, former defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. And I've also brought in a former player, Ryan Poles, to be the new GM. For any Bears fans throughout the Sportsmeverse, my question is, what is the next step to be able to assemble a staff that can develop Justin Fields? There has been a defensive mantra in Chicago for the last 50 years with one title to show for it. How do you fix the offense? Two words, brother. Pep Hamilton. Bring him back into the fold. Develop Fields. Fields is who you should be doing absolutely everything to build around. He is the future of that team. Same way Lamar Jackson was the future of the Ravens back when they drafted him and they built around him and they had success because of it. Build around your best asset, man. You guys got yourself a franchise quarterback. Give him weapons. Give him teaching. Guide him. He's a fucking winner, baby. SportsMe gives fans and athletes the power of voice. And for athletes who do have a voice, we amplify that voice. We connect them with fans in a way that's meaningful that removes the negative nuances of social media for fans to actually talk with fans who who do love them you know thousands of fans already found sports meet to be a platform that they can create sports content debate others and have fun talking about sports we turn that human element to fandom into a video game what's up guys uh we're gonna try this all over again it's uh a special multi outlet combo collaboration podcast between a bunch of people you already know and love uh i'm joe flaherty and i'm coming to you as the voice of the unconfined network today and we have with us uh two hosts lovely hosts we have mr mike kincaid mr thomas butler guerrero also members of the Unconfined Network, and we're going to be at 100% Health today discussing um, a myriad of sports topics, but I, I suppose we should confirm our 100% Health status. Thomas, Mike, we, we, we feeling better than the last time we tried to do this? At least I had no problem what was up with me last time. Oh my goodness, I don't know why I was feeling that type of way. Right now, I feel perfect. I'm feeling healthy. All right, I'm feeling spectacular. I promise you, I'm, I'm pumped. Completely night and day compared to last hundred percent. All right, Mike, you there with him? Um, I'm not there with him, but I am not in a hospital ER either. Much better. So yeah, so, yeah. I'm doing doing much better than last time. Yeah, that works too. As long as I mean, we came into this one unlike the last one where we we actually had a very productive hour long conversation about the NFL playoffs between two guys who looked like they were on the brink of the ER, and then Mike actually ended up in the ER, and it was kind of. It's kind of scary, but Mike's all good because Mike is resilient. That's um, right. Here we are. Unlike Matt Nagy, who got fired, uh, and Ryan Pace, who got fired, and they've promptly been replaced with another Matt and another Ryan. Uh, we have Matt Eberflus, and I uh, predict in the future, if things go well with him, we'll call the fans the Eberflusies. And uh, Ryan Poles, who is a first-time GM paired with a first-time coach, uh, so I definitely have some opinions on on those hires, but I want to kick it around the panel. Let's start with the most energy here. What do you feel about the coach, the GM, either or or both of them, however you want to take it? There's a lot to be said about the new coach and GM of the Chicago Bears. 
So yes, I understand that they were they had to replace their GM, they had to replace their head coach, and that was the first two steps of this offseason process for them since they didn't make the playoffs. I believe the next step would be trying to find a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator, which was supposed to be Matt Nagy, but that didn't end up working out, to be able to develop Justin Fields. Okay, Matt Eberflus is a first-time head coach in the NFL, and he developed the Indianapolis Colts to a top 10 solid defense. The other coaches that they were trying out were Dan Quinn of the Cowboys, the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys, and Jim Caldwell. I definitely thought that they were going to lean towards offense. There is this mantra of being the, you know, monsters of the midway type defense that the Chicago Bears have been doing for the last 50 years. Got them one title out of it. But I was definitely expecting to see an offensive coordinator be put into the conversation, especially with what we're seeing in the playoffs right now. The scoring is winning. Get a new GM. You had to find a new head coach. All right. You understand that the NFC North is a, is a division that you have to be able to find you have the Detroit Lions in there and the Minnesota Vikings are going through the same thing that they are. They have to find a new head coach themselves. So I believe that the new hire was, you know, it was a big skeptical for me. Again, that, that was, that was, those were steps towards the process of uh, this off season. Again, you got to find somebody to develop fields now. Yeah. I think it's always fair to, to go into any George McCaskey hire with a healthy dose of skepticism, but Mike, what do you think, uh, what do you? What's your take on uh, Mr. Eberflus? I. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's that. That might be my take. Me laughing at that might be my take. Um, Very meta. Nice. I know. Honestly, I mean, it didn't make me feel anyway, except for a. At least no one has to change out the contact numbers on their phones. Um, yeah, I'm no, it really it didn't. It didn't rock me. It didn't shock me. Um, which is fine. Maybe he's just a steady um, defensive coach, and it seems that way. I was never worried about defense. I was worried about play calling. I'm waiting. I mean, you just got to wait and see what the next step is. Uh, as far as general manager goes, glad we got someone different. I'm glad we got someone who everyone speaks highly of. They also spoke highly of Ryan Pace when he first got there. Right. Um, so it's kind of a wait and see. Uh, it sounds like he's been uh, – Ryan Poles is picked good. I don't know how much involved with the draft he's been, except for – I mean, he, I guess he did get – a. Pat Mahomes, so I guess that should count for something. Um, but yeah, I gotta. If nothing about this moves me, and I'm kind of at a wait and see. I need to be moved. Yeah. Um, because I'm probably like no one's gonna say it, but I'm probably one of the goofballs who thought, all right, maybe we'll get Sean Payton. Mm. And then, and so when you give me a name that I immediately laugh at, yeah. And then I have to go look up his credentials and you have to win me over by telling me how good he is. Mm-hmm. Now it's just, okay, well prove it. Cause I, I gotta see it. Where's he from? He's from Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, okay. he was a linebacker's coach for the Cowboys too before that. Right. Okay. So nothing about what those two teams did in the last four years, like does anything for me. 
Yeah. And I know that's sad. And I know that, I mean, I mean um, the Colts missed the playoffs somehow. Somehow. I mean, it's so, and I don't want to talk crap about them, but I need to be, I need, I need to see it. I'll give you a chance. You, everyone speaks highly of both of these guys, but I need to see what you can do. Cause either no, I haven't paid attention or you haven't rocked my socks off for me to be like, Oh, that's the guy. Those are the guys. So yeah. that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the bears really haven't had a, a socks rocker in, in, in a while come through the, the, <laughs> yeah, the coaching not, have they? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go top down. Cause I do like, like, like you guys have both alluded to like, some of it seems for the sake of nostalgia. Some of it seems safe. I think with Ryan Poles, you have uh, interesting, maybe a different take as a former offensive lineman um, with his kind of perspective and brain kind of in the front office. Now, maybe um, he's also got very highly reviewed by a lot of scouts that the bears have had. So I know there's that scouting connection. I, I know you were alluding to Mike, Um he came very highly regarded uh, by many uh, outstanding voices in the NFL. And I know that's always like you bandy about this cliche almost every time somebody gets hired without that much of a resume. It's like, Oh no, he's very highly regarded. But like who <laughs> says, who right. says, is it me? Or is it like just the fan in the stands or is it like Bill Polian, which that's another reason why I'm like, okay, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because Bill Polian was the guy this time. Uh, and not Ernie Acorsi, who was kind of a little bit more more removed and not quite a, as big of a voice as Bill Polian to lead up this GM and coach search uh, for the Bears this time around. Uh, so I'll give I'll give Poles the benefit of the doubt. I think it it'll be good to have some fresh blood up in the front office. Uh, as far as the coaching hire, which I mean, Iberflus was very high on Poles' list and the Bears' list individually, and they kind of merged there. That's why he was so quickly got his second interview and was brought in as quickly as he was. Um, even though Dan Quinn uh, was like the bell of the ball and six teams were trying to get him and he eventually went back, wanted to go back to Dallas anyway. But like Iberflus really rose through the ranks here pretty quickly uh, because he was like mutually top of both the Bears list and Poles list. And I think the Bears gave Poles, uh, which thankfully they did this, all of the unilateral authority to make the final hire and the final interview which I'm very glad they did like the more removed from the day-to-day information that George McCaskey and like Ted Phillips and those types of people are from the coaching hire, the happier I am. Yes. Um, So we also have a situation where he, it's kind of like we're, we're creating lovey 2.0 in a way because he's reinstituting the Tampa two, the cover two defense. He's reinstituting the defense first mentality. He's reinstituting, um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the ter- uh, the term like no loaf uh, on defense, like Tony Dungy brought it to the Buccaneers in the nineties and lovey carried it to the bears in, in the two thousands. But it's like you bring max effort every play. Yeah. And that's what Iberflus prided himself on in Indy. And it worked to the point where like all that hustle definitely gave you the benefit of the doubt to be a top 10 turnover making defense for four years in a row. But um, I think when you talk about, the bears big picture, like Thomas alluded to earlier, it's like that monsters of the midway mantra. No one's ever been to the point where they're like, Oh man, the problem with the bears is them stopping people from scoring. It's always been like the problem with the bears is them scoring. (laughs) Like that's (laughs) right. 
that's always the issue. It has been forever. And I think as both of you are saying, like we need to see them prove it. We also need to see them hire a very smart person who can get the most out of uh, Justin Fields. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with the name, but Mike Kafka uh, is the name being floated around uh, the former Northwestern quarterback, the Chicago kid. He's, he's rising through the ranks with the chiefs as well. So there's a Ryan Poles connection. Uh, so I'd keep your eyes on Mike Kafka as like the quarterback whisperer here. I also don't like to try too far in that water because Mark Tressman was the quarterback whisperer here. So clearly <laughs> we're all very skeptical right. about what's going on here. I appreciate the polls hire. I really do. He stated yeah. that his, uh, that Eber flu's his experience, character and attention to detail and that his vision and plans for the team, like impress him the most. So I do like the initial statements that polls gave out, especially for a man like Eber flu's that hasn't had that much experience as a, at the head coaching level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they have to assemble the rest of the staff as well. Right. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a promising first step, but I think that's about as far as we're all collectively willing to go today on the Bears. Um, and we don't want to get too too optimistic before you know there's even the introductory press conference because a lot can go wrong. A lot has gone wrong recently, so we're gonna gonna be tight lipped about that. Um, what's still going on in the NFL is the two championship games. Uh, Mike, I know you had some pretty pretty good takes in the divisional round that will never see the light of the light of day. But we have, you know, off the back of four pretty incredible divisional round games, uh, we have Chiefs, Bengals in the AFC, and in the NFC, uh, Niners and Rams. Rams. Niners, Rams. Yeah. Okay, Mike, what um, what game you have your eye on? Who's who's your hero? Do you want to talk about the divisional round? What happened? What at the floor? Oh uh, no, I am not. I don't want to brag. I don't want to talk about. Everyone knows that it was the greatest football ever. I'm 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 just gonna get right to it because I know we don't want to waste too much time. Um, I love the Bengals. I love them. I believed in them. Um, I'm gl- and I gl- I'm glad they had this moment. And you could appreciate this moment. I'm glad they get to play on on this weekend because, you know, that's good for their franchise. This will be the last weekend they play for this season, but it's still, they at least made it this far. Um, so that will be amazing for them and the franchise going forward next year. But Kansas City is, is clearly shown that they are the – the biggest horse, the fastest horse in the in the yard. Um, on the other side, I believe I saw Rams 49ers before. The 49ers are those underdogs that you just don't like. I mean, they have a lot of talent, but you don't expect them to win. You mm-hmm. don't expect – no one expects Jimmy G to do anything. Uh, and that's – and all he does is win. It's 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 crazy. And, and I ne- again, I never talk crap about Jimmy because and but the rest of the, the league does mm-hmm. and every in this will be what his second super bowl if they go to the super bowl yeah if, yeah i mean so <laughs> i wouldn't it wouldn't shock me because there's something about the san francisco team that just says we don't quit mm-hmm. and we're gonna fight um they're not gonna get blown out i mean it's gonna if they muddle it up just like they did to san francisco uh, as great as as great as the Rams may be and all that talent, I always remember that Matt Stafford was a lion and is a true lion at heart. <laughs> so you never you never know what you may get. Um, I'm expecting the Rams to win, but I would not be shocked if we saw another 
um, field goal San Francisco going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the uh, the heavy NFC North implication either way. You either got Matt Stafford being Matt Stafford or, you know, Robbie Gold uh, taking the Niners to the to the Super Bowl. Yeah, like you said, second Super Bowl for Garoppolo in four years if they go. That's pretty nuts. Uh, and another testament to the Belichick coaching tree. Tom, what's your, uh, what's your take on these two games coming up? I'll start with the AFC. That's the first game on Sunday. But I believe that – I think that Cincinnati as a whole really um, – strive through this season they've played kansas city before this is a rematch uh they were able to beat kansas city in cincinnati during the regular season see the the thing about these two games is that we've seen these matches before right these are two rematches during the regular season for me i would really just take the point cincinnati is plus seven and a half right now looking reflecting back on last this past weekend the divisional round all these games are really tight yeah. All these games are really close. These teams are really good matches for each other. And you saw that earlier this season with Cincinnati and Kansas City. I definitely think Kansas City can win. This is their fourth straight AFC championship. This is the second time that Andy Reid has brought a team to four straight conference championships. Which is I do believe that they statistic. will win, but it's never good to take the points with Kansas City. They don't blow teams out. Every single matchup they have, it's they're, they're coming back, they get down. What I would say is I'm done thinking that these teams can't match up well with each other, and they've already played each other. So I definitely believe that Cincinnati will be able to uh, cover the point spread at least in this, in this matchup. As far as the NFC, there's just one of those teams that they always end up having the other team's number. The 49ers have beaten them, the Rams six straight times, mm. which is quite ridiculous if you think of the players <laughs> that the Rams have six straight times that the 49ers have beaten them. And if you look at both matchups this season, the first one was a blowout. The first one was a blowout that the 49ers beat him in. I'm going to keep it concise, but to echo both of your points, I definitely do agree with you guys that, uh, well, I lean a little bit more towards Mike on the on the Chiefs Bengals, uh, as in like good for the Bengals, but I think the Chiefs might run away with this one. I know Tom, you said this would you're done with the idea that these games will be blowouts, but the one thought in my mind for both of these teams, it's ringing back to something I said last week, but I'll say it uh, because no one heard me say it last week. I'll say it again as if it's new. Um, Mahomes doesn't think the Chiefs put together a full game yet. Still, even after the game, they beat the Bills in overtime where literally you had two quarterbacks playing like Greek gods for about 20 minutes apiece and could not make a wrong decision. And he still doesn't feel the whole team because the whole team didn't show up. The defense got fleeced and the special teams was <laughs> iffy, yeah. uh, to get them in that situation in the first place. So I think uh, if they do pull it together, the Bengals might be in for kind of a kick in the throat here. And I think on the flip side, too, I think at this juncture of the game, I'd be really surprised if the difference in talent level. I know we've seen in, in both these matchups earlier in the year go the way of the underdog, um, but I would not be surprised if the difference in talent level, like pure talent level, makes itself very apparent here in either of these matchups. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to be, um, what is it? I'll, I'll go chalk here. That's the term. We're not even in March, but I'm going chalk already with my bracket. I'll take the, I'll take the Rams and the chiefs in the super bowl. Um, Tom, did we get your, did we get your picks for winner winners? We'll go Tom then Mike for winners. And then we'll wrap with the hall of fame discussion. So with me, I definitely believe that the Rams and the chiefs are the better teams. Okay. I understand your point. Mm -hmm. uh, the last time that the chiefs played the Bengals, 
Jamar Chase already has three touchdowns against the Chiefs. So their secondary is going to be what really makes this a good matchup. I, I really am intrigued about this uh, offensive matchup that we're going to have. So after what we just had in the divisional round, yeah. this conference championship is going to be incredible. I definitely think that the Rams and Chiefs are the better teams. Again, I would just take the points. I definitely believe both of these games can stay within a one possession game. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Mike, you, you in agreement here? I'm, yeah. Chiefs. Chiefs San Francisco. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Rematch 2020. Just, rematch. Yeah. Chiefs San Francisco. 2020. Yeah. 2020 rematch. Fun fact the first time I ever visited Miami here, we were driving down uh, by Bayside, which is basically like a shopping mall meets Navy Pier on the ocean. Um, and we passed by a real big bus in February. And we looked over and it had the 49ers logo on it. And everyone was like, oh, good luck. And we're like, oh, there goes the Niners. They're going to go play in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see if that happens again. Uh, yes. It won't, be in, it won't be in Florida this year, I don't think. Where, where's the Super Bowl this year? God, right. I don't want to say Cleveland. So it's in far. L.A. It's in L.A. Oh, SoFi. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and then maybe one day the Bears can be big boys and host one if they get a new stadium. Okay, maybe. let's um let's wrap with a not controversial topic at all. Uh, the MLB uh, Hall of Fame ballots went through. David Ortiz, the lone inductee. Thomas, I know you've talked quite a bit about David Ortiz on your podcast before uh, and also uh, was Nostradamus in this regard. Do you want to explain? Love the idea of David Ortiz being inducted into the Hall of Fame really puts in perspective that this is this could be concise as a popularity contest within these baseball writers mm -hmm. i wanted david ortiz to get in because of what happened with the shooting he's a survivor i love david ortiz there's nothing too much to dislike about david ortiz he was a part of three world series championship teams for the red sox that was really crucial for the franchise okay as far as the designated hitters go there's not one that i would probably one besides David Ortiz himself. Mm. So I, I want to start off by saying that I love the fact that David Ortiz got in first ballot Hall of Famer. But you can't tell me that David Ortiz gets in with his positive tests and Barry Bonds for 10 years doesn't. You're not going to tell me that Barry Bonds had a worse career than David Ortiz in any in any way, shape or form. You cannot describe the history of Major League Baseball without Barry Bonds. My real opinion about Barry Bonds with the Hall of Fame is that there are hundreds of Hall of Famers. There's only one GOAT. Mm -hmm. There's only one greatest baseball player of all time, and it's Barry Bonds. Okay, right. and there's hundreds of Hall of Famers throughout history that have changed this game, but there's only one baseball player that really changed the game, saved the game. Yeah. The most, by far, the undertaker of baseball, the most feared hitter in the history of the game. The same thing with Clemens, and not just that, you know, it's Texas all day, but you can't describe some of the best pitchers of all time without mentioning Roger Clemens. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you want to put an asterisk on the plaque, you want to mention that they took steroids, I will agree to that. But you can't leave them out. Right. What are you doing leaving them out? What, what, is, what is the issue with that? You're, you're, you're telling me that these baseball writers know so much. You had a guy that said that Derek Jeter wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. He wasn't 100%. <laughs> right. But my general opinion, I'll leave it at this, is that, again, there are hundreds of Hall of Famers that will always be enshrined in forever into Cooperstown, but there's only one Barry Bond. Yeah, that's facts. Mike, what do you, I, I'm, 
going to go out on a limb and say you agree with a lot of that. Am I right? Um, I'm going to keep it cl- uh, very quick because I know you got something to say about it as well. Um, there's some names that are bigger than life. You can't write the history of baseball without the names Barry Bonds, um, Roger Clemens, or Sammy Sosa. Yes. You just can't. It's um, It's impossible at this point. So I'm fine with Ortiz, but still leaving those guys out is a travesty. And mm-hmm. so that had that has to be fixed. We've that has to be fixed. Yeah. No, 100% agree. Um and yeah, for brevity's sake, we got uh, about two and a half minutes here, but I think to both of your points, uh it's like, you know, a whitewashing of history that's really not the Hall of Fame's job to do. Like you get a better look at the true story of baseball by looking at a record book because at least they have the audacity to keep the real names in um, because you can't go through uh, a, a sh- literal shrine to the game without mentioning Shoeless Joe Jackson, Pete Rose, now Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa. You cannot, that's th- th- such a different game than what we actually have watched with our own eyes over the yeah. last 20, 30 years uh, or lifetimes, you know, like that's not real true to experience. So uh, to both of your points, yeah, it, it definitely does ring much more like a popularity contest. I think they've already, you know, dug, dug themselves a little bit too deep uh, to be able to get away from this track that they're starting now, where it's kind of like the more heavy the skepticism about PEDs, the more likely they're just going to be barred forever. Uh, because yeah, just Tom- remember, these same, these same writers that said that Barry Bonds isn't a Hall of Famer voted him MVP seven times. Right. Yeah, it's com- it's complete hypocrisy. And like you had mentioned, uh, you know, David Ortiz and Sammy Sosa were on the same list in 03 that was supposed to be kept anonymous and was used for even the 5% threshold to see if they were going to implement testing the next year in the first place. And it wasn't supposed to be um, uh, a punitive one. And it was uh, before the MLB had penalties for it and it was supposed to be kept anonymous. And they said there were a lot of false positives in that sample size too. I'm not trying to go to bat for Sammy Sosa and saying like, well, no, he put on those 95 pounds really naturally, but like the guy changed the sport. He changed a lot of people's lives. Um, And him, top five club of all time. He's a top five, top six club of all time. Easily. He's the only player to have three seasons of 60 or more home runs. Like that's incomprehensible. There are eight 60 plus home run seasons in the major leagues. Sammy has three of them and I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. You can't, you can't not put that guy in the hall of fame. There's going to be a whole litany of guys. We're going to be talking about this for a long time. Unfortunately, I think year over year, but hopefully we'll get a little closer to justice for these guys. Uh, but that'll be the way we, the way we sign off here for Unconfined Network. I'm Joe Flaherty for Mike Kincaid from Thomas Butler Guerrero. A very lively discussion. We went all over the place, but we're happy. We're healthy. We're in 2022 now, and we'll be back for more collaborations in the very near future. Take care, guys. Thank you.